0: Uh, multi-class youth regatta targeted at sailors' aged between about 8 to 18. We've got 219 boats entered in it. That's 230, 240 sailors in total uh, and includes um, 12 con- visiting countries. So about a third of the entries are coming from what we could say overseas or the mainland and the rest are local.
1: Wow, that's fantastic! Yeah. And now it runs over several days. And I mentioned earlier that there's it's dinghies and invited classes. What what are the tell us about dinghies and also the other types of boats that'll be racing? It's
0: it's, it's principally small boats. And so the I, I suppose the invited class is a particular uh, a little keel boat that is designed for one person. Uh, for people with physical or, or other disabilities, basically physical disabilities. So they get to race with us as well. So it's it's a it's a whole mixture. But the biggest group is probably the, the kids. Uh, there's about 100 in a very small boat that's used all around the world called an optimist. Mm. Uh, and the rest are in a couple of other classes. There's a two-person class. is this 29er, which is a kid brother to the Olympic 49er uh, skiff, which is a very fast and exciting boat. And the, there's another right, about 60 or 70 uh, boats called, what used to be called a laser, are now called the International Laser Class Association dinghy, which is also an Olympic class. So the boats that we're sailing here are, are a pathway in towards elite athletes to, to to participate in something like the Asian Games or the Olympics. And this is a is a base level to that. It's an introduction to what they might get uh, if they could want to stay with the sport uh, and, and and get up to an elite level.
1: Wow. So this event itself, it must have been a lot of preparation to, to go into it, to hold it, especially with sailors coming from um, other countries as well.
0: Yes, and especially with the uncertainties we had as to whether the Hong Kong would ever reopen its border or not. So, so we, we, preparation started probably last July or August uh, when we published a thing called a notice of race, which is basically a, a general invite to people to come and take part. And at the same time, the publicity goes out we decide what souvenir swag bags we're going to do, and we we line up the key individuals, the race officers, the jury uh, that's required for it. And and that's it's sort of slow at the beginning, but in the last sort of six weeks, this has really built into a crescendo as we've got more and more entries from overseas. We have to organise boats for those people from overseas, so we have to go around finding boats so they can charter. Uh, there's 70 to 100 volunteers every day running all kinds of things on on land and on 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 the on the water to help run the race. So the volunteer lists have to be built up. You have to find all the safety boats and and other boats to put the racing marks in. And there's a big preparation of all the little racing marks, radios, and all the other things you might need to run an event, um, basically that's offshore, it's in the, uh, not on the land.
1: Right, exactly. And yeah. that that's the thing about sailing, right? You you're out there in the water. You, if you need help, uh, you can't sort of just go, I'll just step off and go get some help, right?
0: Well, there is a safety plan if you really need help. So we have a fast boat that can bring people ashore if anything were to go wrong. But yes, uh, we're, we're self-sufficient out there. You have to deal with whatever conditions uh, are thrown at you. And, and that's that's for the individual sailors taking part as well as the the, the race management team that's trying to set up the course. So Unlike a football pitch, which is fixed, our, our pitch moves to wherever we find the wind. And it's also got tides moving it around all the time. So yeah. quite, quite, quite interesting.
1: So you, you, there is a race course, though. I mean, it's called a race course. So where are this year's race courses? Like, where will the boats be sailing?
0: So, like I say, it's a four day event uh, and we run three course areas at once Uh Two of those are the main fleets. Uh, One of of those is generally off the Potoy Islands, uh, and the other one is generally in Stanley, St Stephen's side, the side where Stanley Market is. Uh, And the third lot is is what we call the green fleet, which is a very, is a beginner level for for get the first taste of racing. We'll run that in Repulse Bay.
1: Mm. Now. What is it? Can you describe to us the feel of dinghy racing? I mean, I think some of us have been on, you know, junks and we've been on big boats, but if you've never dinghy raced or raced in a small boat, what is it? What does it feel like?
0: Um, Well, I've wrote a few words down here. There's a a great sense of freedom. uh, You're on your own. It's, It's a bit like if you went from a big SUV and then hopped into a sports car or or even a motorbike, and you get this sort of sense of uh, of being very much at one with the elements and very close to the ground, sort of thing. And there's a bit, there's, there's a big sense of exhilaration when you're moving fast. Uh, but there's other things. It's, you you get to master the unexpected because it's an outdoor event. Um, there can be elements of survival at times, which is, <laughs> which, which, which 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 as a, as a as a young kid, that's what you perceive as being conditions that you can't survive in. You you, you actually are generally very safe and. It helps the kids sort of learn more about what they themselves can do as individuals and how they can you know, can counter the elements. Some of the classes are more tactical than others. So some some types of boat, the racing is more like a game of chess, whereas mm-hmm. other types of boat, it's just see how fast you can go in a straight line and see if you can out-muscle and, and out-finesse the opposition. Uh, and then there's a sense of teamwork. Uh not not so much so in a one-person boat, but as you build up through the boats, you master the skills. Uh, you get a two-person boat, very much a, a team of a, a team a team sport. And as you go, then you get equipped to go onto bigger boats like your own, where, where where you might have a crew of six or seven people, and everybody has a job and everybody has to stick to that job and, and, and in order to make the boat work properly.
1: Mm. Now you so, mentioned you, you mentioned earlier the age range and the for these races the lower age limit is eight that seems really young to have a child responsible for themselves in a boat
0: that would yeah i I haven't looked really closely at how the entries ended up panning out but in the green fleet uh certainly we might have some eight-year-olds in that and they'd be they would already be competent at at sailing uh my own kids started learning at six and by eight they were in the doing the green fleet i think so that sort of age, eight to eight, to somewhere between eight and ten, is a is a good entry point into sailing as a young sailor. But you you can enter also a sort of thirteen year old, fourteen year old. You can come at it a bit later in a slightly bigger boat. So that's why there are so many different types of boat because they cater for people of all sorts of different physical sizes.
1: Yeah. So it's great. Like you don't have to be big and strong to to sail.
0: No. There's some, some things, yes, but there's, there's always something for uh, uh, for lighter people and there's also ways of depowering the boat so that the lighter people can, can manage in stronger conditions. And being light's always good in, in, in light conditions, actually, <laughs> because big, heavy people can't move so fast.
1: <laughs> Do you find uh, that there, um, there's an equal gender balance as well? I mean, are young girls equally as interested in sailing as boys?
0: Very. I mean, that's a good question. I when I was writing my notes, I actually completely forgot about gender because this is a gender, gender neutral event. There's actually no specific prizes for boys and girls. Mm. It, it's, they're all competing on the same, uh, they're all competing against each other as equals. When you actually look at the numbers, I think it's about 60% boys, for 40% girls, I think. So it, it's, it's pretty good actually in terms of parity for what we do here. So, and like I said, I had three daughters that went into this and, you, you, you really didn't notice the, the difference between the boys and girls um, mm. for most of this. When it gets to an Olympic level, they do split them. Um, right. the, at an at a, at a elite athlete level, the, the boys are stronger and heavier, generally, and taller. So, in certain types of boats, they, they can't. The women can't compete absolutely as equals mm. uh, in the classes that have been chosen. So they have slightly. So, like the Ilka class has has three three versions. It has one for heavy. Men, one for lighter men, but also women, which is the one used in the Olympics. And then there's a introductory one at a for, for sort of 14 to 15 year olds. So, so yeah, there's a progressive nature to the to the sport and to some of the boats that you can pick to sail in.
1: Yeah, and when you look at racing, especially dinghy racing, it is a very physical sport. I mean, you're not just sitting there cruising along with a drink in your hand. You're actually often half hanging out of the boat, right?
0: Yes, because you have to balance the boat. And even yeah, in strong winds, you have to balance. Uh, in light winds, you also have to balance in, in sort of the opposite direction. Um, yeah. I, in Hong Kong, you do remember, need to remember to stay hydrated. That's, so, so yeah, we, the kids learn quite early on that they need to keep drinking as they go
1: how how would you sort of rate hong kong as a training ground for youth sailing i mean of course we're surrounded by water we have different seasonal winds it seems like it would be a wonderful place for kids to learn to sail
0: it's pretty good actually because we do have year-round sailing uh we have a lot of water around us a lot of it's very safe water and sheltered um there it's not a really windy place. Is that good or bad? It means they have to go overseas really to get used to, 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 to training in stronger winds. Although through the winter, which is when this event's run, there are periods when we do get strong monsoons and it's, it's pretty good actually. So that, yeah, it's, it's a good, it's a, it is a good place to learn. Um, and we got facilities for it as well uh, on the, but the, the, the stage of evolution, it is sort of in the middle of, the world's of all the countries in the world. it's not a it's kind of it's not a developing nation but mm-hmm. we're beyond that but we're certainly not a well-developed nation like a lot of the european nations are mm. so we're still at the top level i mean the europeans do dominate the, the Olympics right level of sailing
1: is is there a lot of interest locally i mean do do a lot of hong kong people think oh uh, i'd like my kids to do this or is it something that they feel like ooh, it, you know it's a bit more risky i mean a lot of parents here worry about things like contact sports um i wonder with sailing how do they view it as well
0: yeah it well it's, it's certainly not it's generally not a contact sport <laughs> it shouldn't be um but it does involve i mean like cycling it does involve equipment and, and and there can be accidents um but generally sailing is pretty safe uh you can capsize the boat but the as long as the kid can swim and has a buoyancy vest on, that's perfectly fine. And that's normal. Uh, uh, you need to bail the water out of the boat and, and get back in and get going again. So so it's, a, it's, a, it's safe. Um, there's, there has been a strong interest, especially during COVID, when people couldn't travel. Mm. and People were looking at, for more things for their kids to do. It's a sport that's planned to keep going most of COVID because, because it doesn't involve people coming into close proximity with each other. Right. Um, as it's out in the fresh air and things. So that's good. Um, it's, it's, so the, the locations where you can do it are a li- little limited despite all the water around us because land, of course, in Hong Kong is in short supply. So access points are probably insufficient for the population, but, but it's still, it's okay. Um, there are a series of government centers where you can learn to sail and get your feet wet. And there are a, a number of clubs here where you can do exactly the same. And that is all on, um, they're all on the same syllabus that's run by the Sailing Federation, which is lined up with, she once set up by the Royal Yachting Association in the UK, which is, seems to be a lot of other countries use the same Royal Yachting Association uh, syllabus. Mm. So so we're in line with other countries. Um, yeah, it's a good place for people to sign their children up to have a go at sailing and see if they like it. And, yeah. Uh,
1: is it is it an expensive sport? Maybe there might be a perception Not, that it costs money, so it, people think, oh, owning a boat, you know, it's too much money.
0: Ah, ah that's a that's a very good question. Owning a boat could be extremely expensive if you if you wanted it to be, just <laughs> like owning a car could be extremely expensive. And that's actually part of the part of the um, part of the dream actually is always looking at the bigger boat. That's been something for me. Actually, you're always looking at, at what you might have that you can't have, and so it's something to aspire to, but uh, or find a way to get on board it. Um, but no, to enter is, is actually relatively cheap. To, to the, the, you don't need to buy a boat to learn to sail. You just need to sign up to a, a course with government or with the, with, the, with the clubs. And that's you don't need to be a member of the clubs to do that. And uh, the Sailing Federation also has a regional squad which you can sign sign up to. And none of that's particularly expensive uh, as a way of getting your feet wet, Um what may become more expensive is in time if you really get into it, like any sport, you might have to travel to overseas competitions, you might have to pay coaches, you might want to buy some better, better sales and things like that. So that's, but that's the same probably in any sport, mm. just depending on how deeply you want to get yourself into it.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, to start, no, not 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 massively expensive, and you don't need to join a club either.
1: Okay, now how what's our record like in world competition? You mentioned that it's sort of a gateway to um, high performance and possibly you know overseas competition, or maybe even Olympic competition. What's Hong Kong's track record like for for dinghy sailing? It's
0: it's it's on the up at the moment, but it, it, it had a. It, it, I, I mean, I arrived in Hong Kong in the mid '90s, and it was in a. It was, we weren't qualifying for the Olympics. We didn't really score overseas in in, in, in this sort of level. The Asian Games results weren't there. The bit that was leading the charge was the the wind surface, which is an arm of sailing that had been that had been a separate organisation outside the sailing federation, Mm. Um, although we're very, very related. But. They won an Olympic medal in '94. That was Li Leijiang, yes, yeah. Yeah, Li Jean. and that actually uh, set them up very well and inspired a lot of people to come and try windsurfing. So they've qualified for the Olympics every year, every 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 four years at Asian Games, and they've done very well. Although there haven't been any medals since then, but over that time, there's never been any sailors in the Olympics. But about I, I can't remember the about two fifteen to eighteen the sailing side became an elite sport in the government's eyes, in the the Hong Kong Sports Institute's eyes, on the back of an Asian Games medal. And since then, there's been some more funding that's gone into it, and the whole youth youth pyramid has been starting to generate results. So we did have a girl who qualified for the last Olympics, which is the first time one of our sailors has been to the Olympics for a long time. So, and we hope... Build on that over the next few years, and we're hoping to get some, some Asian Games results, um, some medals there. So, we, we're hoping, so we'll see. Fingers crossed. That... Um, so, yeah, things are beginning to go well. Um, Covid has sort of ho- hasn't helped mm-hmm. because it stopped us going overseas to, to, to learn to compete. Uh, the top of the pyramid has managed to carry keep on, uh, but at the base, which is a lot of what this event is about, we haven't run it for four years. Um, it was the first time before you, so there's a whole generation that's missed out. Right. Uh, and although we've learned to sail, the standard's are not great, and we've got to rebuild that.
1: Yeah, I think COVID disrupted so many, um, so many things uh, in, especially in sports. We had to travel, and any sports where you were, you were on a team. Now you mentioned that locally, um, you weren't so disrupted because it's not. Uh, because when you're in a boat alone, you are socially distanced from other people, and you're outdoors, so um, how do, do you feel that you know we sort of have to take this opportunity and keep supporting these these young kids so that they do get into sailing?
0: You need to inspire them. So one of the things with Race Week is it's it's, it's intended to inspire the kids who started to race but are maybe. I mean, we're competing with other sports, and they may be more interested in hanging out with their mates, playing rugby, or, hang, or, or you know, many other, you know, there's other there's other things that we're competing against. Sports, or even just music and dance and things. Mm. So we're trying to inspire the kids to to, to progress their sailing and, and stick with it, and, and get to the point where they can see the points and see why it's good for them, and it, it then becomes a sport for life because you carry on into your seventies, still <laughs> playing around in boats. Yeah. Um, and um, the, the, the race week's intended to give an international flavor to the local sailing. And unless, if you just stay in a bubble and you don't have people come in from overseas, you could never see what might be possible. So it gives them a sense of the standard that there is overseas and the opportunities to them if they want to go on travel. And uh, it becomes a wonderful thing, actually, when you do start to travel uh, and, and take part in some, some other regattas, because... You know by definition, they're all on the water, and right. they're all generally in pretty beautiful places yeah <laughs> so it's, a, it's, a good, it's a good it's a good lifestyle yeah good, you...
1: I mean for children, especially uh you mentioned that your daughters started at the age of six what kind of what kind of skills do you think it gives them being in charge of their own boat
0: so a, lot, a lot of it's about self-sufficiency um, uh learning to take care before you go afloat. To make sure you've got the things you need to, not so the boat doesn't break on you and you have a breakdown. Uh, and then even when you do have a breakdown, learning ways to fix it uh, and learning to, learning to feed yourself once <laughs> you're out right. on the water. Uh, so it could be a long day. Yeah. Learning to put the right clothes on. Um, no one's going to tell you to put the clothes on. You've got to. So you, yeah, you have to learn this yourself. But you, you learn it from the other sailors. So you learn it from the fears around you. And, and uh, you know, one. But as soon as you've had a day of sunburn. Uh, you, you remember to put the there right, That's their true. They're you
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot yeah. of good skills for for independence. Um, Peter, before I let you go, I know it's not as easy to watch sailing as it is to, you know, show up yeah. at a stadium and watch a soccer game, but can we watch and how, how can we watch?
0: Yeah, good, good point. Um, there are several ways. I mean, it is offshore, so... If you want, to, if you were to go to Stanley, uh, tomorrow and look out from sort of, uh, the Chununcock headland, you'd be able to see a hundred optimists, little dots in the water. So you'd see that. It's not really watching it. Um, if you were to walk along the Repulse Bay promenade, uh, at certain times of day, you might see the boats coming back in and out and you might see the Green Fleet. And if you caught a ferry out to Potoy, you'd probably see, uh, the 29ers racing in their, their Asian championships and, and the, and the laser classes there. But um, most of the parents start to get involved as volunteers, so they find a way out onto the water to watch <laughs> watch their own kids while they're helping out with the event, so that's one way is to, to volunteer. And in other ways, you find a friend with a boat, and you can spend a day out watching. Um, so exactly. those, are, those are the main ways, yeah. We do have trackers. There's electronic trackers, but that I means it's a bit like an arcade game. If you don't understand what's actually going on, there. It's, it's a, a bit hard. Walk. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, Peter, thanks so much for uh, talking to us today and all the best with uh, with the regatta. I hope it goes really well.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Karen.
1: You too. Take care. Bye-bye. bye bye